My name is Hartley Wright, and you are listening to Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs. Hey, before this episode kicks off, I've got a big ask. If you enjoy listening to Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs, help us out and tell someone about it. Or better yet, post a review or a comment. You can find us on social media by searching Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs. You can tweet us at Faith Moneybomb. Kevin and I are both on Facebook. And you can leave a comment via email to the show's address, f.bombs at hartleywright.com. We hope you'll spread the word and thanks. Okay, now let's get on with this episode. Welcome to the Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs podcast, where we inspire you to manage your money, find your soul, and cover your ears. Join host Hartley Wright, a certified spiritual director, and Kevin Bartolacci, director of research and education at Sunvold Financial Investment Advisory Firm. Together, they hope to help you discover the benefits of enriching your life as they entertain one another, and hopefully you too. Well, hello, everyone. Hello, Kevin. It's great to be in the studio with you. Yeah. You too, Hartley. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I have a first world problem. Maybe a dilemma. Uh-oh. I have misplaced my AirPods. And I didn't. Re- and I don't know how long they've been misplaced. <laughs> I didn't realize it until last night. Well, I, I do have an idea. I had them last week. I kind of wonder if they're in the bus, in the shuttle bus. Oh, no. I took them one day for reasons I do not know. I, all I know is the but only The bus thing, has been parked since you drove it The bus has last. been parked since okay. I drove it last. And uh, the uh, listener may be confused as to a bus. <laughs> On a bonus episode, which I can't remember the title of that bonus episode, but we talked about... Well, you've got a gentle re-entry on November 24th. You've got... It'd be before that. Birth and Joy. Oh, no thanks to Royce and not those. Oh, it's called Kevin's New Gig bonus episode. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Kevin's pretty self-explanatory. There we go. At the very end of that, I believe, or somewhere in there, I mentioned I was a substitute shuttle driver for a apartment complex. So I shuttled people to... Back and forth. Back and forth. To campus. To campus all day long. That's what the job is. And they have a driver that does it all the time. And I was the one they called upon when he needed a day off or half a day off or whatever. The last week of classes, week before finals, I got called upon to finish out the week because they let the driver go. I never would have taken them on the bus, but I think one day I think I may have because I thought I might, if there were a couple of phone calls that I needed to make or receive, that I could be hands-free. Well, I'm an optimist, so I'm going to believe in my heart that you're going to find them. Yeah, I hope they're there. It's really weird. It kind of caught me off guard because I keep them in the top drawer of my dresser. This is, this is very informative for those who want to someday plan a sneak attack, come into my house <laughs> and steal my AirPods. AirPods. So that's my first world problem. We'll call on the authorities if, uh, if I can't find them. I was busy driving that bus, so it was hard for to get in the studio. And then you didn't have any time either. Yeah, it turned out when you, when you texted me and said, hey, I feel really bad because I didn't ask you about being proactive and getting this done. Like I couldn't have done it anyway. I was busy every day. So yeah. it so worked out well. And I thought Not about, for the listener, but for right. us. It and removed the, our guilt. Yeah, and for the listeners' sake, because we were doing Advent, I thought about just going on and just recording the Advent por- mm-hmm. portion. But I had a sinus infection. I didn't sound like myself. Couldn't find a stand-in. To, I couldn't find a stand-in to do my voice work. And, I would have thought with your connections with screen and stage, yeah. 
You would have found something. Well, I could have. I could have, but I didn't want to I didn't want to fork out the money. <laughs> Got it. You know? It makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> We're I mean, a it would have been, would have been no yeah, it would have been absolutely no problem. Someone would have been glad to well, who wouldn't want to take a chance on an award winning podcast. Well, exactly. I, to I launch feel their the same career. way. Right. As we are in a week of Christmas of the season that is celebrated, which is the birth of Christ, it is our hope and prayer that he have a new birth in your heart this Christmas. Our faith emphasis, faith segments, right now are based on Advent. What what I like about week three, at least week three, the, as we're doing it in this year, um, <laughs> what I like about week three is that um, our Advent themes are mostly penitential. They're kind of somber in nature. This particular week, this particular theme is really about joy and rejoicing. And so we rejoice in the nearness of the celebration of Christmas. And so the joy that we have and the joy that we can find in Christ can remain regardless of what challenges we face in life. That's because we know God is in control of our circumstances. He is faithful. And uh, the scripture, one of the scriptures that you can put with this theme is from the Apostle Paul who uh, reminds us that we can rejoice always and in all circumstances give thanks because we have hope in God. It's a good opportunity to reflect on what you are thankful for and to maybe take some time to write down things in your life that cause you to rejoice and then thank God for those blessings. The last week, peace. As I'm welcoming Jesus into my life, where am I really looking for true peace? During Hope, I talked about the image of Kelly standing when the two of us were teenagers and we were dating in the window in front of her house, waiting for me to show up, looking forward to me showing up. And with that hope and anticipation, I, I shared that as a way to um, make an application on on how we can hope. Uh, it was really a great illustration for uh, the, the entire season of Advent, actually, but definitely hope. And so I, it, it occurs to me that it, it feels like peace needs that same kind of imagery, something that we can visualize that can help us kind of grasp this concept. I think if you were to define peace, a way that it could be defined would be to just have absolute fulfillment. Imagine laying down to bed at night and your mind is not filled with things that cause you worry or anxiety or great concern or fear and everything in your life that you have to think about is there and everything is okay and you feel and trust that it's all going to be all right. And then another way to conceptualize this, when you were a small child, if you fell asleep away from home, you fell asleep in the car, or maybe it was a night in which your bedtime didn't exist, and so you just fell asleep somewhere else in the house, on the couch, on the living room floor, somewhere that wasn't your bed. You arrive at home from that car ride, or it's finally time for everyone else in the home to settle in for the night. And so your father picks you up and carries you to your bed to lay you down. And you wake up a little bit, just enough to know that he's carrying you. And everything feels, you, and you're not worried about anything. You're totally relaxed. You're limp. You know everything is going to be okay. And you know you're, you're being carried to your place of rest where you feel right at home. That, I think, is a way that we can visualize peace. So we want to think about where do we need peace in our life? And how can God give us that peace? Being a human and living life on this earth is a lifelong battle against wounds that happen to us. We're all racing against mortality. God actually put on mortality to be with us and to be attuned to us. In response to our cries for relief, he uh, became flesh and blood and took on our aches and pains, mood swings, exhaustion, the worry of where are my AirPods, all of that. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain, 
Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and he held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. We have to navigate through our wounds. We have to navigate through our hurts, through our con- you know, through the consequences of some of our actions. We have to navigate through the fact that we're aging, getting older. Boy, that's now now we're back to the somber theme. Even though it's peace, we're back on the somber part of it. But part of that's cultural, right? Because yes, one of the things we don't do well, particularly here in the United States, and I would assume it's this way in some other developed countries, we don't age well. We don't, I hate to be, use this word, we don't die well. Right. I think about that a lot because I'm, I'm in my last third of my life. My intent is to age well and die well, leave well. Right. I think I saw, Leaving an, interview, well. I saw an interview with uh, Norman Lear that had been obviously pre-recorded because it was, uh-huh. they showed it after his death. And he said, he's really not scared of dying. The hard part is leaving. So for you that don't know, he just died recently, and he was 101, I believe. Pretty active all the way through. All the, the way end. through. Yeah. But that and was pretty influential, was. too. Yes. Uh, and controversial. You, and very controversial. So I was about to say, even if you didn't like some of the things that he influenced and the ways yeah. in which he influenced, he was very influential as a television producer sure. and creator. And, and not afraid to risk things. Right. And could see things, and really pointed us as a country in a direction that we really needed to be looking at. It's yeah. just most of the people, the majority of the culture just did not want to do that. Right. Or, or weren't open to that, I should say. I didn't want to side They resisted it. No, they resisted message, it. So. No, it's a good point. It's about we, we don't leave well. Every now and then you'll hear people talk about, you want to leave a legacy. We should be thinking about that all the time you're living. It's like, what am I? Right. It's not know, those last 18 months that you right. get to work on it. That's another reason why I think this podcast is important. Because we can go through life from day to day and live as we live and do what we do and not give any thought to God. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important if you have a couple of guys that seem to be entertaining enough to say, hey, here's how you can create space and look at that because then you begin to see, okay, what what is my life? What is the meaning of my life and how meaningful am I being? How intentional am I being? That's what this is all about. We create space so that we can bring more intention and we can live well that leads up to leaving well. And like Norman Lear... We're using a lot of humor to try to communicate those Exactly, points. exactly. Uh, and I shouldn't have compared us to Norman Lear, but... Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't... He's a legend yeah. and, and we're yeah. just us, but you know what <laughs> I mean. Uh, you want to jump into some financial yeah. stuff? I told you last night I didn't have a lot, but then I started jotting down notes for today. I recently have run across an article that talked about some research done by some professors, one of which is at the University of Missouri. And they did research on target date funds. And you know, that's been a little sticky point for me. I have some really biases against them. And in their research, they have uncovered several reasons why target date funds aren't all they cracked up to be. We were having this conversation in our office, and Eric Morrison, he's our president, said, I actually ran across research by another University of Missouri professor that talked about the 60-40 portfolio, whether or not it's even valid anymore. 60-40 has been the way that pension funds and endowments have typically managed their assets, with 60% being allocated to equities and 40% to some combination of cash and bonds. It's been a big debate in our industry right. for years on whether or not this is still the way to do it. This recent research says, yeah, that's don't do that anymore. Listener, I'm making this commitment to you. 
I'm going to try to communicate with the professor that's right here on our campus, University of Missouri, Columbia, try to have a meeting with them and talk about their research, what they found. Obviously, the Federal Reserve has, since we talked last, they had another meeting and they've said, we think we're done raising rates. The market rallied on that testimony. Now there's some speculation about rate cuts in 2024. So all you folks that were looking at wanting to buy a home and you're like, oh my God, 7.5, I'm just too expensive. Hey, good news for you in 2024. It's probably going to go down. Yeah, probably will. So this leads me to a contest that we may do on our LinkedIn page at Sunvolt Financial. Here's the premise. We're going to have people make predictions on our LinkedIn page about the number of all-time highs that we're going to see on the S&P 500 in 2024. And then hopefully we'll give a prize to whoever gets closest. <laughs> and I thought we might as well do that on our podcast too. Yeah, that's a good idea. I need it by December 31st of 2023. And you're going to say, I'll just throw out a number. You're going to say, I predict in 2024, there will be 110 new all-time highs on the S&P 500. Or maybe you say there won't be any because you think we're going to be in a recession right. and we're going to retreat. But that would okay. be, be the contest we might be able to participate in. So the reason, <laughs> I, the reason I came up with this idea, because I've seen this so many times after we've had a pullback, all the media, every single day, another new all-time high. If the S&P is a 0.01 today, it'll be a new all-time high. And then you start hearing the opposite. Well, it's going to crash because we're, we're at all-time highs. I'm just so sick of this cycle. Of course, it's a new all-time high every time the S&P goes up when you're already at an all-time high. Why are we even focusing on it? <laughs> but that's what you're going to see in the press. It's going to be, oh, it's a sixth all-time high this month. Who cares? It ha this happens every single time. Look at the charts. They go up and to the right. We're going to have a whole ton of all-time highs in 2024. So I'm just trying to get ahead of it, have a little fun with it, try to get the listener educated that you're going to see it and you should take it the same vein I'm taking it. Who cares? I don't make many predictions about this because we've seen the folly of this. And I did a thing in my class where I put a quote on the board in every class we had. And I tried to jam this theme down their throats by a number of different people who quoted this in different ways and in different industries, not just the financial, but in other things as well. We cannot predict the future accurately. Why are we trying? But our entire, our entire industry is built on that. Right. We have the crystal ball. Here's our prediction. Listen to us. Subscribe to our service. Buy our stuff. It's ludicrous to me. So- this is me making fun of my industry by saying, let's have a contest. Let's now, see how we can get closest. So how many, how, many days are, are, how many days are possible? Like how many days? Well, let's just round it off. There's 52 weeks. There's five trading days. Typically, we'll have some holidays in there. Probably so let's just five, say there's two, 250-ish trading days. little contest. Yeah. It'll be something that the listener can say, yes, I want to respond to that. Then we right. can find out. And we will post. How many beyond four? Right. are there. Right. And we'll post in our show notes as we go. We're not going to do it every day. Right. But like, what, what do we have? 25, 26 yeah, in we the had first about, year? We had a third, well, the, this would be 31 first year. All right. So if we, if we, if we let you know 26 times next year, you'll yeah. know how you're doing in relation to your, your bet, right. your contest. Earlier this month, I saw an advertisement where they were bringing back another initiative on the credit card yeah. point system. Yeah. And I haven't seen any other ads since then. So that's some investigation I'm going to do is see if they're okay. bringing, trying to bring this back and cut these points out. Because it's Christmas, you get more ads for people that they're wanting people to buy their products to give as gifts. Mm -hmm. And Swiffer is one of those products. And I'd just like to say, I wouldn't say it's an F-bomb for me, but it's a very, very strong... <laughs> Smoke bomb, cherry bomb, smoke bomb, F bomb. It might be an F bomb. Am I picking up on the fact that you don't care I for do Swiffer? I not care okay. for Swiffer. I think their product, <laughs> I think their product, is <laughs> I think everything you can use to clean with any product that says Swiffer is nothing but. 
All I right. mean, it is, I hate, I can't. So I need to return the gift I got for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If it's a, if it's Swiffer. All right. I'll have to, um, I'll have to figure out who I can give that to instead. Are they the one who has the wet jet? I had the wet jet. You had it. Oh. It is. Okay. I tried to, I tried to clean my floor with that. You're like. All right. Yeah, that was that I was the last that product. All right. Wet jet wet my jet. ass. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> All right. This is about me, but not about me. I'm bowling left-handed now, and I will be for the next several months and maybe longer. One of the things that I have noticed, several things, I've been impressed by how supportive the bowling community has been to me. This it's really been kind of touching. These men and women have been really supportive and they're like, hey, that's, I, I would never do it, but I'm, I'm impressed that you're trying. And then I noticed one event on Wednesday night a couple of weeks ago, I was starting to bowl better. We had already bowled our first two games and we were getting ready to bowl our third game. And one of the guys said, man, I was really worried you were going to beat me. And I just pointed out to him, well, you realize it is a handicap league. So with my handicap, I did beat you. And then the look on his face. I beat him scratch in the third game, and I thought, it's in his head. I hadn't thought about that from that perspective of the person who's getting beat by a guy who's right-handed is bowling left-handed. Right. So I started saying, well, this is psychological. Uh, I could use this to my advantage. So now I'm thinking about using it as a weapon. If we, are, if, we, if we need to come from behind or something, I just may mention, hey, how would you feel if I beat you scratch? <laughs> so that was an interesting thing I hadn't thought of. I guess the third thing is just, it has to do with this book called Mindset by Carolyn Dweck. And I think we've actually talked about it before. She talks about fixed mindset and growth mindset. Well, I picked it up because one of the things that has occurred to me is people have come to me and asked me, how's it going? Why are you doing it? How come you're doing it? You know, what's wrong with you? Well, okay, I got some physical stuff, whatever. But uh, look what I found in my book. A post-it note that says left-handed bowling. After I started playing over 50 softball league is when I realized my left knee was really bad shape. So I've probably been thinking about bowling left-handed for seven years. Yeah. Now this, I read a long time ago. So before I got my recent skeletal challenge, this isn't something I just all of a sudden thought of. Right. I've actually been preparing for this for a long right. time. Right. But the mindset part, when people come to me and say, I can't believe you're doing that, I could never do it. One of the things I've started to reply to them is, you might be surprised at what you could do. Right. Now, for those of you who haven't picked up on this, I am a growth mindset or an open mindset person to the extreme far right on the continuum. So it's never occurred to me that, oh, I couldn't bowl left-handed. But I would suggest to you that a fixed mindset person would feel that way. So they think, well, I can't do it because I never have. I'm right-handed. How could I bowl left-handed? Right. My mind just doesn't work that way. So I don't know what percent of the population is fixed mindset versus growth, Right. but I would suggest to you it's probably pretty high on the fixed side. And oh, yeah. I, I'm just not that person. So right. there are things that pop in my head that just seem natural, like, well, just do this. Uh, the other book I just finished last night, Democracy Awakening, Notes on the State of America by Heather Cox Richardson. She writes a piece that my wife has been reading for quite some time called Letters to America. Letters from an American, sorry. So that's why I first heard of her. Courtney was familiar with her. It's a, it's a, an interesting book. I'll just say that. What's your biggest takeaway? What affected you the most? Well, some of it I was already aware of because of other books I've read, but we have a 
incredibly broken political system. And because she's a historian, she gives you background information, historical information about how long this has been going on. Essentially, since the formation of our country, there's been efforts by certain interest groups to make sure that the idea of we are a nation of men created equal, which we now know originally the framers meant white men. Right. That's who was created equal. That's who was created equal. But there's been a concentrated effort by certain interest to make sure that we do not follow in those footsteps that we continue to have a system in which white men retain power. The groups that are doing it will be the part that surprises you. <laughs> I just leave it at that because I don't want to get into a big political debate right. on this podcast because we can't cover it in enough depth. Well, I may not be that surprised. I don't think you will because you and I have had conversations off cast about it. Right. But for the for the listener out there, I'll just put it this way. If you are a fixed mindset person, you're not going to like this book. If you're a open mindset or a growth mindset person, you're probably already aware of a lot of it. And you're just going to go, I didn't realize it had been this intentional for so long. And that what's happening in our current political environment is based on things that happened prior to the Nazi uh, elevation of power in Germany in the 1930s. Those that are trying to maintain the power base are using the same tactics and disinformation campaigns that brought Hitler to power. Wow. (laughs) And we could go before him, historically speaking, but that's the one that most of us are familiar with in, in this era. Wow. Because it's fascism and socialism and Nazis and whatever that yeah. keep getting the boogeyman and all the press. But yeah, it was a little bit of one of those like, oh my God. Wow. Do anything fun for Christmas? Or what, do you have a great, we can take a moment now and just, we'll, we'll just wrap up our show talking about Christmas and everything is wide open. Okay. Worst Christmas memory, best Christmas memory. I can't think of best or worst at this point. What, what I'll say is this one will be the most different for us because my mom passed. And for my whole life, Christmas revolved around mom's house. We were kids. We lived there. And when we were all adults. We'd all come back there. Right. Everyone would come home for Christmas. Uh, this year, that's not happening. My dad has informed us that he's going to his sister's house because it's just the two of them left, which is somewhat insulting. <laughs> but it's like, all right, fine. Uh, so I guess... Courtney and I will do something with Anthony and Olivia, and Giovanni's in upstate New York, can't make it home. So it'll be the four of us. It'll be different. I'm not thinking of it as good or bad at this point. It'll just be different. Right. Well, maybe I hope it's. Uh, I hope you find an unexpected blessing and a, a bit of surprise. Well, because I'm an open mindset person, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be out of. I will create that. Yeah. I'm not just going to say, well, that's not how we do it here. Yeah. But you know how that is. People are fixed and these right. are the traditions. And the, to be clear, there is positives to having traditions and doing it that way. There are, there are many good things about them. It's just not how I'm wired. Uh, but there's also, sometimes people continue to do tradition for the sake of tradition. Correct. And there is an important, and there is wisdom in asking the question at some point, is this something we want to continue to do? Is it serving us the same purpose that it once right. did when the tradition began? Correct. And when we celebrated the tradition. How about you? Christmas nothing, plus minuses? Nothing. Well, I mean, future. I, there, there's because my Christmas is going to be more traditional and there's not anything unique other than the unique experience of doing it this year 
that makes sense. Mm -hmm. One of the Christmases I treasured was we were in a part of an organization, group of high school students. And one Saturday, a few weeks before Christmas, for the club event, we went to our sponsor's house who lived way out in the country, out of town. He lived outside Sedalia, lived outside of a little town, German town called Coal Camp. Oh, yeah. Out in the country. And he had a log cabin home there. Then he had a small cottage across from it. Our whole group of 25, 30 of us spent the day out there cooking together, decorating together. We decorated his entire house inside and out, Christmas tree. He got he got some free labor is what he got. That's what's really going on there. <laughs> he was there. a good sponsor. It was a, yeah, but when I think about what, what it is you want to capture in a Christmas spirit, it was that. We had a sense of family. We had a sense of the spirit of love, the spirit of the season. Everybody was working as a team. So it was like one big family. And once everything got decorated, we had a warm meal that many of us had prepared together. And then we sang songs near the Christmas tree with a campfire and talked about Christmas wishes and things like that. It was just something that you couldn't have prepared that to be so special and significant as that event was. It's pretty cool. How old were you? At the Teenager? time, I was 16. Okay. I think maybe right. I just turned 17. Gotcha. High school kid. Yeah, high school kid. That's pretty cool. And you remember it? Very vividly. Very vividly. Yeah. Very vividly. And I re I reflect upon it every every Christmas season. Even now, the longer I talk about it, I get a little bit emotional about it because it's, there's so much distance there. That's but cool. Yeah, I can still picture. As I'm talking to you about it now, I can picture people in that group that I haven't thought about for years. Is that years. sponsor still alive? Yes. And, when was and he knows time? how I felt because we did talk about that. A couple, of years, a, a couple of years later, he is not. <laughs> okay. maybe but maybe what I should do is reach out to him on Facebook. Send him this link. And say, hey, just listen from this minute on, and it'll be very familiar to you. That'd if, be a great if that happens, that you could give Well, okay then, Merry Christmas. I, I'm going to nudge you to do that, because I think All that right. is cool. Okay, so then I will, I will say that. Merry Christmas, Senior Cromwell. That is one of the outstanding memories of Christmas I have had from that day forward for my entire life. Yeah, think about the validation that you just provided him. Because we're talking 35-ish years ago. Time. Now that's we're a, back to the somber part. <laughs> no, this is the happy part. <laughs> no, it's the this happy is, part. This is the part where he finds out now stuff he did 30-plus years ago exactly. mattered. At the very least, is a good reminder. Yeah. Oh, and another listener, Mr. Uh, uh, Bob Buckley. I think he was probably there that day. Holy cow. Um. Yeah, so uh, that's that's pretty pretty amazing. Pretty amazing way to end yeah, I agree. the episode. And uh, I hope for everyone who's listening that they have at least one memory like that. And if not, I hope that they will at some point. Um, because that's the... I guess that's the the magic. When you talk about the magic of Christmas, maybe mm -hmm. that's what is meant by that. Maybe we captured the magic in that moment on that day. I think it's certainly part of it. And uh, yeah, it was just incredible. So Merry Christmas to you, Kevin. You too, Harley. You and your family. Yours. Enjoy your upcoming trip. Yes. I'll see you in January. That's right. Well, because uh, that'll be the next time. We'll be off for a couple of weeks and return in January. So, listener, may you have a great, wonderful Christmas, and um, we'll look forward to allowing you to hear from us in the coming year. Awesome.